Hey, yo, this week, coming in hot with the solo episode. I haven't done one of those in a while. And also, a quick reminder before I get into it with myself, which sounds you know kind of dirty, but whatever, is can you go wherever you listen to this and leave a five-star review and a written review? That would be so helpful to get this into more people's ears. If you love this episode, share it. If you have a previous episode that you love, share it. Tag me on Instagram. I'll give you a reshare. Hook me up. Let some love flow. I wanted to take a quick break in this episode to talk to you about the greatest struggle that people have in dating, and that is asking the right questions. And not just the right questions, but asking hard questions, questions that determine if someone wants what you want, what you are, what your relationship status is, that that deepen vulnerability and intimacy, and ultimately asking the right questions allows you to get to know someone on a deeper level, gets to know their values, get to know whether they're a good fit for you. Now, I recognize that when I get feedback on asking questions, people say, that's too hard to ask, or it's too soon to ask that, or whatever the excuse or thought or feeling or fear might be. And so I thought, shit, let me ask the hard questions. And that's why I created Create the Love Cards. Create the Love Cards is created with such intention for you to deepen your conversations on dating. And because of that, the deck, when you open it up, it fits two smartphones. So you can put your phone inside the box as you take the cards out so you can both be present. Now, if someone doesn't want to play, I'm like, swipe left. That's a red flag. Like, who doesn't want to play a game? Second, I've got it in four sections. So we've got four play diving deeper, too much information, because would it be a deck from me if it didn't have TMI, and building chemistry. So there's four sections for you to explore the landscapes of one another and see if you're a good fit. If you want to have deeper conversations, if you want to take this deck of cards on your dates or on your date night, or you think this would be a good gift for a couple, then go to createthelove.com slash cards. I put them at a really accessible price of 30 bucks. And I can't wait for you to check them out. They've received rave reviews. People are loving them. I have actually one friend who took them out on its second date with someone that she was hitting it off with. And after she got the answers to the questions that the deck provided, she realized that this person was not a good fit and swiped left and now is in a relationship with someone she loves. So that's what dating is about is it's about filtering. And also my intention is to support you along that journey to not just finding the person that you want, but if you're with them, asking the questions that help create and deepen intimacy. So go to createthelove.com slash cards and grab a set now. And that's about all. Let's crush it. Let's get into this. We've had some real magical podcasts in the last couple of weeks. One with Terry Cole on codependency and high functioning codependence. Whew, that's a new term that'll blast you in the brain. And... Then I also had one with my first ever quote unquote girlfriend uh, from grade nine. And I'm going to continue to do that is to put out the request to past partners if they'd be so willing. Uh, it would be an honor to have them on to continue to discuss like how have I been experienced by other people and what is it like to see me today in the work that I do? I didn't feel like it was generally fair that I have a microphone and they don't. 
And so it's, it felt very vulnerable and scary to do, which led me into doing it because I live by the rule that if it is scary, but requires my expansion, it's a yes. It has to be a yes. Cause I never want to stop growing. If you stop growing, you're dying, you know, and stagnation to me is really a recipe for gosh, a lot of things. Uh, one, just that sense of self-abandonment that I'm not investing in myself anymore. I'm not leaning on the edge of my life. You know, we talk about relationships on here and the standard of relationship that we set for ourselves, the standard of behavior that we set for ourselves is the invitation to the behaviors of other people to match us, to meet us. We're so used to shrinking ourselves and making ourselves small in order for people to feel safe around us when really we should be inviting them to meet us. It is inspiring and a beautiful invitation of love to invite someone to have to grow into meeting you. But it is so normal from a biological evolutionary psychology perspective to not want to make the people around us uncomfortable. When we look at family systems, this is true more often than it's not, is that, you know, if you're listening to this, you might identify as the quote unquote black sheep of the family. What I find fascinating about the people who are the sort of rebels within the family or the ones who really shake the family system is they are generally the ones who are trying to tell the truth, trying to get the family to turn towards something that the whole family system has been structured around ignoring. So let me explain what I mean by that. In families, most families, there tends to be, you know, maybe someone who's an alcoholic, someone who has anger issues, someone who left, someone who cheats, someone who, you know, all these different aspects. It doesn't have to be what I'm saying. It can just be true that the family system pivots around not facing the truth of who someone is and how they show up. And this could be toxic spirituality, you know, like when it's weaponized religion, it can be um, the weaponization of cultural beliefs that do not align with our soul. And that's why it's not, I don't get to give you permission for what is your experience of your family system pivoting around something. We also could be the person that the family system pivots around. And what's fascinating is when a whole family system is designed to ignore the truth about how someone shows up and who someone truly is, and it can be about abuse, it can be about so many things, like, you know, grandpa or aunt, whatever, who touched the kids. And we don't tell the whole story or we don't even tell the story because we're afraid of how it will make people feel or the impact of feelings that might, you know, might come from us. Because we, when the family system pivots around a truth, its whole job is to ignore the truth. So everyone takes on a role in order to make it so the family doesn't talk about that thing. But what's happening is that very thing exists regardless of whether you talk about it or not. And notice how this transcends to other things like 
workplaces that have dysfunction. We know that there's something going on that's different than what the corporate culture says it is or the values the company lives by, quote unquote. But then there's this underlying thing that's actually happening and we don't point out the truth. Instead, of we talk about it maybe in sidebar conversations, we talk about it by the water cooler or when we're bombed at the Christmas party, but we don't talk about it when it matters, when we should be talking about it because often the culture is to not talk about that thing. And what happens is we start to allow and give permission because we are complicit in it by not speaking up. And this is true of any cause, any truth. We're complicit in it. And because it feels safer, we are going along with the crowd. And I've said before, this is very evolutionary because if we stand outside of the crowd, we risk being kicked out of the crowd but you know, like really, how do you want to be remembered? What does your life stand for? You know, I have constant invitations to say something that is potentially um, going to be controversial or might hurt someone's feelings or might elicit shame. And that's never, of course, my intent is never to do that. But the the consequence of telling a truth that we know is that the people who have designed their whole life around ignoring that truth will not like that the truth is being pointed out. Just like when you stand the fuck up in your family and you say something that no one has ever said or very few people have because they've been kicked out of the family, which is also a message. Don't talk about that thing because look what happened to Uncle Tom. He said something and then now he no one talks to him or someone gets divorced and all of a sudden the family turns their back on them or someone dates someone out of their race or their culture or their religion and all of a sudden people turn their back on them. But those people are connected to truth. Those people are free. We are free when we are living in alignment with our souls. We are free when we have expressed the things that live within us. You know, I look back to when I was younger and I think about the real catalyst to me waking up and waking up being not so much this existential, it was existential for sure, but it wasn't so much like this idea that I'm waking up and it's, you know, all of a sudden I'm my fourth chakra is becoming aligned and I'm starting to use patchouli and those types of things. Although if that's your journey, hey, no judgment. But it was that I started paying attention. I started asking questions. I started thinking about why do I do what I do? Why do I handle conflict the way I do? Why do I so desperately believe in love, yet I'm afraid of it? Why am I with this incredible woman, but I don't want to marry her? You know, and that was the birth of the questions of like, how can you be in a relationship that is fulfilling that the, well, quote unquote fulfilling. I'm doing a lot of quotes here. If you saw me, you'd be seeing fingers flying. But in that moment where I was in the story of, you know, I grew up Catholic. I was taught, you know, don't have sex before marriage. We know that goes out the window as soon as you get around those parts and you run out of stuff to do. You know, like, well, I know what the next logical step is. And as I was living in that life, go to high school, get a degree or, you know, get a diploma, go to college. Don't necessarily do something you love. Do the one that makes sense so I could be a good provider. So I did an undergrad in finance and then 
got a job as a pharmaceutical rep. That was practical. It was smart. Hey, it was a great job. It was exactly where I needed to be with the level of awareness that I had. And that's why we can't shame past versions of ourselves for choosing things that we literally were doing the best we could with what we had. And so at that moment where I'm like, okay, well, I'm now with this partner that I met in college who's incredible and she is an incredible human. And I'm like, I'm supposed to get married by 27, have kids by 30. Okay, so I'll get engaged. Oh, but I didn't really want to get engaged. But why did I do it? Why do humans do things they don't want to do? It's crazy, right? Because we're living within stories we're taught to live. We are living within what we're taught. And that's why you can feel in your body an incongruence when you are doing something that is not right for you. And when what is not right for you is in conflict with what you're taught, it causes huge dissonance. Now, this is this, I've talked about this before, this idea that Self-expression, humans have two needs, self-expression, authenticity, those being the same thing, and belonging. And up until a certain point, self-expression and authenticity, when they're in conflict with belonging, belonging usually wins till it doesn't. And that's the reclamation of self. And it takes everything to go against what we're taught. It takes everything to step out of the story. And when I ended my engagement, which was so scary to do, it was hard to see that I was hurting someone in that choice, but I was dying inside. And it was killing me that I was taking someone down this path that didn't feel like a fuck yes for me. And now look, not when you're in a relationship that's long-term, it's not always going to be a fuck yes. Right? Like there's going to be times when they do shit and you're like, listen, right now I don't want to choose you, (laughs) but I choose you. There's also relationships that we chose from a place where we didn't know what we were choosing. We were living within the story and we see people waking up all the time in relationships that don't leave them because it goes in conflict with never get divorced, stay together forever, don't hurt the kids, divorce hurts kids. Listen, high-conflict relationships that do not get divorced hurt kids. I've said this before. It's If you think about the ideal situation for a kid, it's two parents who love each other who are together. Then it's two parents who love and respect each other who are not together. And then it's a wash between together, don't like each other, high-conflict, or apart, don't like each other, high-conflict. And there's... This I, So we stay in these perpetual situations. We also have been taught that every relationship has to last forever. But if you can't connect to the truth, a lot of relationships don't last forever. And that's just the truth. I'm not telling you something that's not real, but that often triggers people. In the first talk I ever did, I said, not every relationship's meant to last forever. And some people were like, fuck that, that's bullshit. And it's, no, it isn't. Because all you do is have to look around you You know, I think about this content or this concept of till death do us part. And I think about really changing the question to what death? The death of the part of you that chose the relationship when you were asleep, the death of the self or a mortal death. And I know to be true is that when I don't acknowledge the truths that exist, when I finally woke up and chose myself, maybe for the first time claimed my story, I woke up within the story we are all taught culturally, systemically, 
And you're going to have your own one based on the influences of religion and culture and gender and what that means and sexuality. We wake up within this story and all of a sudden we see that we haven't really been ourselves. And at first I was pissed because I'm like, man, I feel like everyone's been lying to me. You know, I looked around myself and I thought, well, people are getting divorced all over the place. You know, we're supposed to stay together with someone till we die and still be in love. A lot of people who stay together didn't even like each other. And look, like marriage has evolved. You know, there's a great article by Eli Finkel. It's also a book called The All or Nothing Marriage. And he talks about how marriages of today, relationships of today are more satisfying than they've ever been. Because before we met Maslow's lowest needs, food, water, shelter, sex, through marriage, through relationship. And we also got married and gained more in-laws. And you can listen to my podcast episode with Stephanie Kuntz, where she goes through the history of marriage. She has a great book called The History of Marriage. And we got married for these reasons. We met Maslow's lowest needs through marriage, through relationship. But And then if you follow Maslow's hierarchy of needs, at the top is self-actualization, is this space of sort of existential expansion, this place where you are one with everything, where you feel unified, you feel free. And now you can flip the script on that one and you can reach that through love. You can reach that through marriage. You can reach that through relationship because all of your pain, most of your pain, I'd say almost, no, all, comes in response to relationship, relationship to things, to people especially. So that's where they occur. That's where our wounds occur is in relationship. And that's where we heal them. That's why you can have your shit all figured out, your poop right in a group when you're single. And you're like, man, I read some books. I got this shit. I got this shit figured out. And then all of a sudden you start dating and someone just doesn't text you back on fucking Bumble. And all of a sudden there's this cascade of rejection. This response You know, I've said before, when it's hysterical, it's historical. When the level of response does not match what has been experienced. And this is about sitting and becoming present with ourselves. This is about asking questions like, why do I do what I do? Why do I respond the way I respond? Why does rejection trigger me? Where does that begin? And look like we all inherited stories. And when we are the black sheep of the family who just says to the family, turn towards this truth, pay attention to this fucking truth. Because if you don't, I have to, because I no longer can be quiet. I no longer can tolerate this complicity, this silence. And that's where anger is safe. Anger changes worlds. We are afraid of anger because there's so much within us so much within us, especially when we were raised in environments that avoided truths. We can come from the healthiest of families, and I promise you, there's an ignorance of truth. Families who grew up with no conflict. Well, listen, conflict is healthy. It's how you fight that matters. It's that skill set. Can you be connected and experience conflict? That's a skill set. And most of us don't know how to do that because we weren't taught how. And that's the work is learning, is that you go into a relationship, you get triggered, and then you go, well, shit, the work's not working. Yes, it is. That's the work. That's the work. Every time you get triggered, get curious. Where does this come from? How do I stay connected to my heart right now? And you might not be able to right at first. You know, a lot of people think when they go through change, that if they stumble, it's much like in addiction, when they relapse, they fucked up and they're starting at square one. No, you're not. You're continuing. 
You don't go back to chapter one. You're on chapter 47. You're in the middle of a fucking book. You're the writer, director, producer, casting agent. You get to choose. Pick up the pen. Keep going. And this is why relationship is so important because it says to you, who do you want to be? Can you operate with kindness and generosity and have badass boundaries? Can you fully step into yourself and hold on to who you are and keep your poop in a group and be in love? Can you do that? Can you take the work, the meditation, the conversations, the emotional intelligence work, the boundaries? Can you take that and apply it when you need it? Not when shit's easy. And the hardest time to do that is when you wake up within a relationship and you say, I never knew who I was. How do I become who I am now? Because I'm in a relationship in agreement with someone else that they should keep a mask on too. Both of us fell in love with actors. And then we wonder why we don't feel fully loved because we don't feel fully seen, not because they don't see us, because we don't let them see us. And that's where we often go back into the hole. We go back into hiding. Because it's too scary to be confronted and be rejected by another. Well, in that you're being rejected by yourself. Every time you hide your voice, you reject yourself. Every time you don't step towards what is true for you, you reject yourself. We live in prisons. We build ourselves. And then we blame everyone else for being in that prison. And this is not remiss of compassion and empathy for the prison you were taught to build and I was taught to build. And depending on your background and where you live and your gender or your mix of genders or your confusion about your gender, your prison is going to be different. And it's going to be significant no matter where you come from. This is not a hierarchy of pain. All pain is welcome here. And you have permission to that feeling. You have permission to feeling disconnected from truth. You have permission to wanting it back. This isn't about discovering who you are. This is about figuring out who you are not and getting rid of that shit so you can show the fuck up so that you can remove the armor and the mask, which is scary. You know, in the last bit, you know, as you know, if you've been following my work for a while and more recently since August, September, the podcast, you know that I went through a breakup and in September and that dove me deep into myself. Feelings of grief I hadn't felt in ages. Even just thinking about it brings up feelings for me. I had not experienced that level of pain in a long time. And it reminds me to say to you that I see you. I see the pain you feel because, you know, this is that line of what is true sympathy? What is true compassion? There's a point when I can be compassionate and empathic to you because I see the pain you're in and then I acknowledge that. But there's a line that begins to dissolve where your pain is my pain. And when you become more connected to who you are and more connected to what is true for you, you experience this deep reverence for your own heart. And when you experience a deep reverence and compassion for your own heart and your own pain, you start to see yourself in other people. You hear your story and their story, even if it's not your story specifically, but the feelings it elicits elicit feelings for you. I don't wish that someone experience some of the pain I've experienced or others ever. 
but we have to get to know our pain. That is what we call the dark night of the soul, that we don't numb it, that we, we, we get more sober from the things that are distractions that make it so we are not sitting with ourselves. And I, since this breakup, have been continuously invited to stillness, to silence, and to honoring myself. You know, I, I have, I'm busy. <laughs> you know, that's, that's such an identity. I'm a busy guy. I got shit to do. Blah, blah, blah. You know? And it's funny how we do that that we come up with all the reasons to not be with ourselves, to not sit, sit within our own hearts, to not be present to us. Pick up your phone again, right? Look at Instagram again. Go to Facebook. Go to Snapchat. Go to fucking TikTok, talk, talk. Call a friend, text somebody. Put on Netflix. Read a book. All these different things. Just stop. Stop. And just feel that. Just take a deep breath. We're here. We're not going anywhere. There's nowhere to go. Just be here. Be still, feel that. That is you. And it might have been a while since you spent some time with you and you listened to you. And you might ask other people for advice. You don't need someone else's validation. Your truth is within you. In the stillness is where you find yourself. In the silence is where you hear yourself. Those are the two places that I keep getting invited to go to. You know, I'm at, uh, I'm in Maui right now, and I'm at uh, this spiritual retreat by this woman named Gaganji. And uh, the woman, the tremendous woman who runs uh, my social channels, Laura, she sent me. Uh, a copy of uh, one of Gaganji's podcasts. You know, it's fascinating how the world connects us with the teachers we need, you know, and I, at the time it was right after my breakup and I knew that I needed to go into silence and disconnect from technology. And I did. And there was this line from this woman where she said, from Gaganji, where she said, silence is who you are. And it was just like this profound truth that I needed to hear. That you don't have to go looking for you in all these gurus or teachers or books or courses. They help you learn skill sets and they have value. I'm not saying they don't. It's just that the teacher arrives to remind you that you already know. We seek these things out to validate truths that are within us that are often covered below the layers of deep conditioning. So I'm not simplifying them. All of these things serve a purpose, but I don't care how much you try. You can never outrun the truth. 
You can never out-anesthetize the truth. You can't, because it will always come for us in a, in a good way, but it's painful to face something we've never faced. It's painful to say something no one's ever said. It's painful to take care of ourselves and choose ourselves when the evidence of our upbringing says anything but, or calls it selfish, or calls it, you'll be, you know, I, I get that there is a very painful reality of being a spiritual being in a human being body, because you can't forget about the human experience. We have nervous systems and hearts and brains and patterns and narratives and stories and beliefs. And it's like, what happens if you just let go of that? And you just listen. And you could even just say to yourself, just finish these sentences. Right now I feel where I feel it in my body is. If that part of me could speak, it would say. Hearing that makes me feel a truth I often ignore is I'm afraid to acknowledge it because If I do, then and then just sit for a moment and just repeat after me. I acknowledge this truth and you are welcome here. And I'm sorry I haven't been fully present to you. And I'm here now. I'm ready. And you're here now. There's even this beautiful bird. Give me a little soundtrack of love in the background, giving you that too. It's funny how we're always, often, not always, looking at this moment as an obstacle to get to a better moment. When you start seeing obstacles as opportunities and challenges as invitations, it will transform your life. When you finally acknowledge a truth you've been ignoring, it's a tremendous sense of relief. It's a surrender. I heard today that an apple tree doesn't ask why it's the one who has to produce apples or another tree goes, well, they got lucky. They're making apples. I just make leaves. They don't ask that. But we do. Why me? Why this? Why this conversation? Why this invitation? Why this truth? Why these circumstances? And you can't put it off anymore, you know? this reclamation of self, this beautiful invitation to be all of you. And I say that, you know, calling my own ass out on that. You know, like, I really confronted death in September and October. And there was a moment where I finally became comfortable with it. I finally was like, if I close my eyes and I go away, I'll be at peace 
I went down the rabbit hole of facing like we are mortal. And the more you turn towards that truth, the freer you are. We're all in this existential escapism, you know? We don't pay attention to the fact that this ends. So because we don't turn towards that, we actually put off our life thinking that we have more time than we've been promised, which all you have is now. All you have is now. And this is our chance, you know, to reclaim, to choose, to go against the system, to reclaim our voice, to challenge the family system, to go against what we inherited, to finally become the thing that all these people have died for. I was listening to Ram Das the other day and they asked, um, he was talking about his journey with his guru. And the guru said to him, why do you do LSD? And Ram Das said, because when I do it while I'm high, I get to sit with Jesus. I get to sit with Christ. And his guru said, instead of visiting him, why don't you just become him? And it doesn't matter who your teacher is or what guru or what, it doesn't matter. The point being that when you step into the place where you fully embody kindness, generosity, and love, which remember, compassion and tolerance are not the same thing. You, you can be a compassionate, kind, loving, generous human and still have boundaries around who you are and still have standards and expectations and you're human. You must have that. You must have the things that allow you to become who you are. Remember, boundaries preserve wholeness. You are already whole. Boundaries build a beautiful fence around you that you can see through. And that's different than walls. As I say, boundaries, walls keep people out. Boundaries teach people where the door is. And you're allowed to have a beautiful fence around you. And you have the right to say no. And just because someone doesn't validate your feelings, doesn't make your feelings invalid. That's you giving your power away to say, but you didn't tell me how I feel is valid. They don't need to, you do. The expression of it is the expression of worth. The giving it away where they validate it is giving away your worth. And so what a beautiful time to be here, to be able to share these moments. And I must continue to turn to stillness and silence because I know that's where it all is. And I am just like you that I can get distracted easily. I can go down an Instagram wormhole. I can read about fucking politics. But who feels good after they read about that shit? Read about stuff you can do something about. Don't get lost in this cortisol-injecting, fear-based bullshit. Connect back to you. It's all a distraction. Your internal expansion and connection back to yourself is a rebellion. That internal rebellion invites a rebellion around you. It invites a birthing process around you. It inspires others. It inspires people who are ready. People don't need to validate that your expansion is okay. Your expansion in the doing of it is the validating of it. Take your worth back. No one needs to approve of you. You need to approve of you. And if you're not being a great person, you got to learn how to become a good person so you can improve of you. But if you disconnect from the truth of how you show up, because it sucks to pay attention to that you lie, that you cheat, that you hurt yourself in the way, what you eat or whatever it is. You know, it's 
I was thinking about this the other day, and this is why I created this Create Lasting Change program that I'm currently doing with a group of a lot of people, really amazing, is that if you are cultivating self-worth and want to love yourself, and you're making decisions, let's say, for example, to have hard conversations, not date emotionally unavailable people, it doesn't matter what it is. It needs to coincide also with nutritional and physical choices that also match the belief that you love yourself. You can't love yourself and be crushing things that are bad for you. And just simply going for a walk and being present to yourself is an act of self-love. It doesn't have to be four miles. It could be 500 feet, meters. It doesn't matter. It's the choice, the act of doing that sends the message. If your beliefs about yourself in terms of how you show up in a relationship and you're wanting to change those are not matched by other choices in your life, then you will be limited by the lowest belief you can hold based on the other choices. So, you know, you can't say, oh, I'm going to choose amazing foods and treat my body well. And then all of a sudden be in a relationship with someone who treats you shitty because they're in direct conflict. We can get lost in the part where we're eating a certain way and we're getting a very fit body. Then we get validation, which is not to say having a fit body is a wrong thing. It's an act of self-love. But can you have a fit body and a fit heart? And I don't mean uh, physiologically. I mean from a space of, can you have a fit body and have healthy relationships? Can you hold healthy relationships and then also have a healthy relationship with the things you choose in your life elsewhere, right? This is about reducing the dissonance. If you have a space between those two, you create dissonance. And this is just about auditing our lives. This is just about taking steps. You know, I'm, I'm getting more sober. I don't drink anymore. I don't smoke the chiba anymore. I'm now off refined sugars. And it's not about being an extremist, but it's about learning that you don't allow something else to choose for you how you feel. You're not letting your phone decide that you get to choose whether you check your phone. Look at all the unconscious ways you're pulled out of this moment so that you don't have to be present to what's really happening. The stillness, the silence. Go there. I'm there too. Sending you lots of love. I hope you have the most wonderful week and the most wonderful day. And I love you guys. 